Good morning, church. My name is Tim Power. I am pastor of Modern Worship here, and I want to welcome you and thank you for being here. This is our last week of our At the, Mo- At the Movies sermon series, and we've had a lot of fun. Um, we, we've, we've spent the last couple of weeks looking at movies that are kind of touchstones, uh, both in the lives of kids growing up right now, and, and in this case, this was a movie when I was growing up. Okay, I just I, we were talking about this with the band. Who here, no, I'm not going to say who has, because I, I feel like a lot of people have seen this. Who has never seen this movie, The Sandlot. A handful, just leave, just get out. (laughs) Leave this place. God does not love you. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) No, no, no. Um, God still loves you even though you've never seen The Sandlot. He would love you more had you seen The Sandlot. And you'll actually see, I was telling Steve, our bass player, I said, I'm pretty much just going to show the Sandlot as the sermon today. So if you've never seen it, you'll see a lot of it. I do have quite a few clips. Uh, and, and if you know anything about um, uh, Sean McIntyre, who's one of our associate pastors, this is basically uh, his life movie. He loves this. And so he actually didn't choose this. We had a list of movies, and we kind of used a poll. We polled a lot of people of, okay, which movies should we use? And this one was one of the ones that was chosen, but I think Sean might have added a couple extra votes with, you know, fake email addresses or something for this. But Sean is actually at our South City campus right now uh, preaching at the Connection on this thing, and uh, I was talking to him about it, asking him, he's like, well, the last time I preached about the Sandlot, so there's more than one time Sean's preached about the Sandlot. Anyway, uh, one of the reasons we wanted to do this sermon series was because stories are important. You saw that. That was a pretty engaging story this young person was telling. Probably a lot of us, the thing that was great about that was a lot of us have been there, right, at a sleepover where our friends start telling us stories, right? Stories have a huge impact on us, right? Stories really make a difference in our lives. And we talked about this the first week. I I told you about some research that actually shows stories change people's minds about issues more than data does. So, so for instance, if you look at statistics that can prove something to you, you're less likely to believe that than you are to believe a story that is, is emotionally impactful, okay? So stories really do change people you know, on a much more deep level than just uh, knowledge or just, just, um, just basic statistics and things like that. Data doesn't change our hearts stories do. I think that's really interesting in light of the fact that the Bible, what Patty talked about is this great treasure that we're given from God. Our greatest treasure is mostly told in story form. Maybe God knows something about how we work, right? Maybe God knows that our hearts are transformed by stories that change us. Now, this story uh, of the Sandlot, this was interesting because we, over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about several movies. The first week, we talked about The Greatest Showman. Pastor Terry it was her first week back from sabbatical, and she talked to us about how The Greatest Showman, one of the great lessons from that is that we should live for what really matters, Especially as Christians, we know that we should live for the kingdom of God in our lives. That there's so many things that we, we can get. We, we could work towards having a career that, that is satisfying. We could work for a lot of things, but really working for what matters, for the kingdom of God is what matters to us. When we were talking about the movie Inside Out, I loved that one. It was about how it's okay to not be okay, right? 
It's okay that God puts all of these emotions in us. And we, we explored a little bit of the fact that Jesus Christ actually has all of these emotions. We always, you know, I was saying that whenever I walk in churches, I see happy white Jesus paintings. Do you see these everywhere? Okay, where, where Jesus has, is, is kind of like a guy from the 1960s with long hair and a smile on his face, right? And, and really, when we encounter Jesus in the Bible, we see a full range of emotions. We see Jesus weeping at times. We see Jesus angry at times with the hypocrisy of the, the people that, uh, that, that were turning his house into a den of thieves. We saw Jesus show a lot of different kinds of emotions, including fear when he was facing down the cross where he was going to go so that we might be reconciled to our Heavenly Father. So it's okay to not be okay. Last week, we talked about the movie Black Panther, which is one of my all-time favorite superhero movies, and, and we were talking about how in that one, the value of your life is determined by how much of it you give away. The value of your life is actually determined by how much of your life that you give away. And today's story, The Sandlot, here's the interesting story. It's about a boy, Scotty Smalls, um, who moves to California with his parents and, and has trouble kind of adjusting, which actually, strangely enough, was the exact same story as Inside Out. I think screenwriters in Hollywood love the story of moving to California when you're young. That's, that seems to be something that really resonates with screenwriters. So anyway, this story is about a young boy who moves to a new area, and, and here, here's one of the overriding themes of the movie. There's a lot, and it's a really funny movie. One of the overriding themes of the movie, and what I'm going to talk a little bit about today, is the idea of that fear can hold you back from what you need. That fear holds us back from what we need and what we can have. Okay, in, in the beginning of this movie, uh, this, 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 this kid, Scotty Smalls, moves into a new area, and, and his biggest fear is that he, he doesn't know how to make friends. We're, we're in this time right now when some folks in this room have kids, uh, or, or you are a young person who has gone back to school recently, and maybe you've experienced that. It is hard sometimes to make friends, and one of the biggest things that can hold you back is the fear. What if they don't like me? But that's not the only fear. Uh, in fact, this group, he finally falls in with a group of kids that play baseball on a sandlot. And, and there's, there's, there's really a lot of fun characters in this. But uh, you saw one of the characters, Squints, was telling a story that is a fear that they all share. They all share this fear of the beast. And the beast is actually this big dog that's over the fence beyond where they play baseball that they're all afraid of. And they're afraid of the beast's owner, Mr. Myrtle. They, they, and here's the thing. It's all shrouded in mystery. They don't know anything about the beast. They don't know anything about Mr. Myrtle. But they kind of create their own legend. They create their own fear around what they don't know. And this got me thinking a little bit about fear, especially the fear that we have as children. Um, a couple of, I think about a year ago, we were talking, we were doing a sermon series that was talking about fear, and uh, I asked everybody uh, uh, on our worship team, what, what, is, what was your greatest fear? Maybe it could be the, the strangest fear on earth. When you were a kid, um, what was your most irrational, strange fear? Can, can anybody shout out a weird fear that you had growing up? Anybody? Come on, be a little interactive. The basement. Okay, I, yeah, I, I feel that. Godzilla, okay. Snakes. snakes. I'm still afraid of snakes, yeah. 
Okay. The Blob? Okay. Oh, old 50s movie. Okay. Anybody else? Weird. I, I remember Andy Dwiggins had uh, a fear that he would, I think it was a dream that he, that he was in a boat in a sea of butterscotch, that he fell into the butterscotch, and that was the end of Andy Dwiggins as we know him. I thought that was a really fascinating fear. So, you know, kids especially have fears, and a lot of these fears are really irrational, right? A lot of these fears are irrational. We, we, do, we don't really know what we should be afraid of or what we shouldn't be afraid of. Uh, at my house, uh, my, my youngest son, we just experienced this. Uh, my, my five-year-old really wanted to watch the movie, not at the museum. We're noticing we, we hadn't watched that when it came out, you know, a long time ago. Uh, we watched it with our older kids, and now we get to reintroduce some of these movies with our younger son. And we started, like, he was like, it's not scary, is it? No, 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 no. I mean, there's there's these creatures, they come to life, but but it's all funny and it's all friendly. And um, he sat there, and we watched the first 15 minutes, and then he saw the dinosaur, and he said, I'm out. And he walked out of the room, but then started screaming as he walked out of the room. And this is a kid that he doesn't scare easily. He's not scared of girls. Um, we, we just got to, okay, he's not here today, so I can share this. I'll get in trouble later. Um, we got a call from school that he had to be separated from a girl on the playground. Because he went, he, he went to this girl and he said, he said, I'm in love with you. And, and, uh, and then she said, I think we should be friends. <laughs> I, th- I think it's early for that, isn't it? But So he doesn't scare easily. But the dinosaur was too much for him. And we all have these irrational fears. I, I remember uh, the comedian uh, John Mulaney says, if, when I was a kid, you know, I was totally unprepared for adult life. I thought in adult life the scariest thing would be quicksand. Because if you watch cartoons, that's the most scary thing ever. But you don't encounter that much in adult life, right? We don't know what we're going to encounter in adult life that's really going to scare us. Although a lot of the times, the fears that we have are irrational. And especially, I think, the fear that they have in this movie about Mr. Myrtle and about the beast are actually fears of the other. Fears of the other. Fears of the things and the people that they don't know. Anybody here, can can we admit that you have a fear of things and people that you don't know? I think that that's something that really strikes fear in all of our hearts, if we're honest. I want to share this scripture uh, this, is, this is from Psalm 27. I'm going to read two verses. Um, it says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. This is a really awesome scripture that gives us a lot of confidence. It gives us a lot of confidence in the fact of whom shall we fear? What should we be afraid of if we really believe what we say but we believe? That's the catch, isn't it? If we really believe what we say, if we really believe in this Savior who loves us, who sets us free, whom shall we fear? In fact, here's one of the most interesting things I think. Fear not is spoken in the Bible at least 365 times in some form or fashion. 
The idea of do not fear, that phrase or fear not or something like that is in 365 times. That means that for every day of the year, the Bible tells us to not be afraid, and yet it cripples many of us, right? It cripples many of us. And it cripples these kids until they kind of have this discovery. They have this fear of the other, uh, like a lot of us do. We, we live in a, in a time and a place where, where there's, there's, there's kind of this, this thing about American culture right now where we're very divided. Am I wrong about that? Am I the only one who thinks that? Where we, where we kind of tend to think of me on this side, you on that side, and we look suspiciously and we, we, we kind of have the, we think of the worst intentions of people who are over on that side of the fence, right? On that side of the fence, they've got bad intentions. I've got good intentions, but they've got bad intentions. On that side of the fence, there's something wrong. There's something scary. There's something we should be afraid of. There's something we should be worried about. I, I want to show this next clip. And this, is, this clip is, um, let me set it up a little bit. Uh, they've hit a ball. Uh, this ball is not just any ball. Scotty Smalls, uh, uh, he, he has a ball that is signed by Babe Ruth. Okay, he didn't know the implications of this. It's a very special, it's his uh, stepdad's special ball signed by Babe Ruth, and he uses it to play baseball, and uh, it actually gets hit over the fence into the layer of the beast. Now, we're going to pick it up. This is a long scene where the beast actually does chase them. That is pretty scary. But we're, we're going to see kind of where they, they get their minds changed a little bit about this creature that they've been afraid of this whole time. He says, now we can play forever. The beast had actually been keeping all of their balls in, the, in this one place and was now showing them. So, so I think one of the things about this, the, uh, some of these are simple lessons. You know, here, here's the interesting thing, I think. You know, um, uh, some of the simplest things you ever learn in life are the ones that take the longest to actually get, right? Some of the things that, that we're still working on years later. And I know so, so, some people come to church and they're like, I, I want to hear the deep things. I want to go really, really deep. And, and it makes me think, well, that, that's awesome. I love to do that too. But sometimes I think, how great are you doing at love the Lord God with all your heart and love your neighbor at your, as yourself? Are you killing that? Because <laughs> sometimes we go back to that over and over again. Jesus said it was the greatest commandment, and yet it's that simplest one, right? Here's another commandment that we're given in the life of Jesus that, that, that I think this, this clip sets up really well. This comes from uh, the book of Matthew. This is Jesus speaking to his followers. It says this, You have heard it said, you must love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who harass you. Now, as you would have seen in this clip, the, the, these kiddos... Their enemy was, was the beast, right? This was, this was like they had banded together against this thing that they thought they should be afraid of. I want to ask you a question real quick, and I, I want you to, to, to get honest with yourself. In your life, who is the other? Who's over the fence in, in your life? Um, I, I have this tendency, and, and maybe you do too, that when I hear a sermon, um, I think about other people that need to hear that sermon. My wife and I do this to each other a lot. We'll send sermons to each other. You need to hear this sermon. He's preaching the word of God that you need to hear. 
and sometimes I don't let it touch me. So sometimes you might think, yeah, Tim, you're right. There's so many people who are afraid of the other in our, in our country, in our world. There's so many of those people. They need to hear this. Who's your other? Who is the other that you're afraid of? Who is the other who you're thinking the wrong thing about? Who is the other who you're attributing wrong intentions that you think the world should be afraid of? Because here, our Savior is telling us something revolutionary. He's saying, yes, the world says this, you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I'm saying that you should love your enemy and pray for them. Whoa. Here's what this means. Here's why this makes you different than the rest of the world. If you are a follower of Jesus, you don't get to be afraid of that person on the other side of the fence. Okay? If you're a follower of Jesus, you don't get to hate your enemies. It's off the table. Okay? And here's the thing. That means you're going to engage differently with people. That means you're going to think twice before that social media post that you share. Amen? That means you're going to be more careful, and you're not going to attribute the worst intentions to the people around you because that fear of the other is holding you back from what God really has for you. Let me share this with you. What you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. What you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least in your life. I want to show one more clip, and this is when uh, the, the boys actually get to meet Mr. Myrtle, okay? So they, they've been afraid of the beast, and now, now they've come to this understanding that this dog wasn't so scared, scary. In fact, this dog had been saving these balls for them this whole time, collecting them and, and gives them up to them. Um, and now that they have overcome that fear, let's see how they encounter Mr. Myrtle. Wow, Mr. Myrtle was Darth Vader the whole time. <laughs> Who would have thought... So I want to read this verse, and I'm going to invite our band back up to the stage. This is from John 4. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. We love because God first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hate a brother or sister, he is a liar, because the person who doesn't love a brother or sister, who can't be seen, uh, uh, who can, can be seen can't love God, who can't be seen. Here's another way to look at it, though. I think that there's some people in this room, and, and, and I, I would count myself among them, who sometimes struggle with fearing the other, fearing the people on the other side of the fence, fearing people who, and, and, and putting wrong motives, wrong intentions in, in, the, in the mouths of other people. But maybe there's somebody in here who the person on the other, fence that you're, other side of the fence that you're afraid of is a personal God. The thing that you're really afraid of is a God that actually knows you, that you've always thought of God as this person on the other side of this fence, this scary old man who wants to judge you, who wants to, um, you know, hold you to account for all of your wrongs, when really that person on the other side of the fence that person that you've maybe never given a chance is a God that loves you, that pursues you, that always wants the best for you and wants a deep personal love relationship with you right now. Would you close your eyes for a second? And I just want to have a moment where, where we can pray. And some of us need to pray this, that, that, that God would help us to not fear other people, 
to not fear people that we know need your love. And then there's someone in this room, I believe, that, that needs to just open your heart to that God that you've always been afraid of, that you've just seen as the scary old man on the other side of the fence, that you need to open your heart up to a God that loves you, that wants to set you free from, from anything you're struggling with in your life. God, we come before you and we thank you. The perfect love casts out all fear. Lord God, we, we want you to transform our hearts. We don't want to be slaves to fear, Lord God, but instead we want to be ruled by your love. We want your love to rule how we deal with people. We want your love to rule everything about us, God, in our world. So we pray that right now perfect love would cast fear out of our hearts. We pray that perfect love would cast fear out of this body of believers. We pray that perfect fear would cast love out of our families. We pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, come and let your perfect love cover us at this time.